Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu rasulullah. You're listening to Islam tomorrow. This is live broadcast when I'm doing it, but it'll be almost live by the time you hear it online. This is Yusuf Estes, National Muslim Chaplain, visiting on assignment from Washington, D.C. here in Arlington, Texas. My old hometown, place where I made shahada 15 years ago, mashallah, and seeing some of my old friends again. Some of you guys got older, man. What happened? I don't know. I'm still young and good looking. I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know what's funny is that when the people come to us, they don't know any better. You know, they start talking about how come you got to have four wives. You know what's? I'm serious. I've been in so many Muslim countries, and when I meet the people, straight, I mean, straight up. As soon as I meet them, I'll say something like, "How many wives do you have?" And they crack up laughing, going, <laughs> that's funny. What's well, funny? You can have four wives, right? So why is it always so funny when I ask? They always die laughing. Because the Muslims, believe it or not, are the most monogamous of all people on the earth. You didn't know that. It's true. Muslims are very prone to marry one lady and stay with that lady until one of them dies. That's so common amongst Muslims, but not common amongst other societies. And also, no girlfriends, no hanky-panky, no cheaty on the side. No. One wife, stay married to her, and that's it. Unfortunately, in more modern times, as we advance and get satellite television... And start getting some of the magazines and pictures. And we're finding that some of these advanced areas, I won't mention them. I'm not going to say, you know, like, I'd be wrong if I mentioned like Cairo or something like that. Oops. <laughs> or Riyadh or, you know, I won't do that. But if you go there, you find that they are starting to increase. Which used to be single digit number for divorce rate. Used to be like 2 or 3% in divorce now it's increasing almost up to 10%. Amazing, here in the United States, it's like 70%. Yeah. Because some people get married and divorced, married, divorced, married, and divorced. In my own family, I know some of my family members have been married nine times. Hmm? And that's not counting boyfriends and girlfriends. Whoops. Islam, one. That's it. It's just one. So when somebody asks you the question... How come you can hire four wives? But please do not give them back the the answer, which is, How come you can have all the girlfriends you want? <laughs> Don't do that. Because it's not in Islam to do that. Regardless of what their lifestyle is, they're not asking you to criticize them. So it's our responsibility to answer back correctly. Thank you for asking me about my religion. In Islam, it's mandatory that I tell you the truth or I can go to hell. Also, we have the proof so you can verify everything I say. <laughs> if I make a mistake, you'll know it because there's not two Islams out there. There's only one. And regarding the subject of having more than one wife, when Islam came, there was no limit whatsoever. A man could have as many as he was big enough to take care of. And wives in those days were not treated like wives perhaps today. They were treated like property, chattel, something you own, 
Something you trade, swap, buy, throw away if you don't want anymore. And when a girl was born to the family, it was considered such a shame, crime, that they used to bury the girl alive in the desert sands. And that's a fact. That is what they used to do. And if you didn't do it, you were considered not a real man. Is that true or false? Well known. And women had no say-so in anything. In fact, if she wanted to die, just open up your mouth in front of some men. That's a good way to just terminate your life. Cause, and nobody would say a word. If a man wanted to beat his wife halfway to death and beat her into the ground, nobody would come up and stop him. They'd consider that their business. That was the condition that people lived under when the revelation of Quran came. But the Quran in chapter 4, the women clearly gives women more than rights. This idea of giving somebody their rights, this isn't, this isn't what Islam is like, that's why. Islam makes clear what the status of the woman is. Her status is very high. She's to be honored. She's to be respected. She has an air of dignity about her and an air of privacy about her. She is not subjected to the same things that a man is subjected to. In verse 34, it's real clear. Regulin, man, this is all men, have the responsibility for anisa, all women. Read it. He didn't say believers. He said men have the responsibility over the women for their custodial care, financial support, etc., and their protection. Protect, defend, provide for them. And Allah said this is because He has made one to be better at that, to, to exceed the other or excel the other one in that area. Who is supposed to have the job make the money and come home and take care of the family. The man. Can a woman get a job if she wants to? It doesn't forbid her. But if she does, what percentage of her money goes to household expense? Zero. What percentage of her money goes for the automobile? Nothing. What percentage of her income is to be used for the children's college fund? Huh? Utilities. Insurance. Education. Anything. Her money is her money. But your money is also her money. In Islam, listen to this one. Listen to this one. If a man is not paying his bills as he should, it's perfectly legal for the woman to go in and take his money and go pay the bills and he can't say anything about it. That's true. Can he take any of her money and pay bills? Nope. No, he can't. He doesn't have that right. So if you said, well, we want to see something equal. When women learn the beauty of Islam in this financial area alone, they go, uh-uh, we don't, that's fine, leave it alone. That's okay. <laughs> what's his is mine, and what's mine is mine? Oh, that's a good deal. I don't have a problem with that. The problem is we don't see it over here because the men are not living up to Islamic standard. They're not. You're not living up to Islamic standard when you put your wife out in the street and expect her to run around like a man. 
You don't provide her protection. You don't provide her with the environment. By the way, it's also not in Islam to criticize your wife in front of other people. Ever. Regardless. Not even another relative. You can't do that. That's haram. Whether she's in front of you or not there. It's real clear. We can't do that. Can we? No. And talking about beating them. Oh my God. Read the rest of the verse. Because that's the verse where it's at. Read the rest of it. Because it continues and it says... Because of this, the status that Allah just mentioned, she is totally obedient. And some men said, well, that means she has to obey me and do whatever I say. Nope. Nope. This is obedient to Allah and His rules. As such, she's obedient to her husband as long as he doesn't break the rule. If he told her to rob a bank, she isn't going to do it. Huh? If he told her don't pray, nope. If he told her don't wear hijab and some men tell their wives, I don't want people to know you're a Muslim, take off the hijab. Whew. Whoa. You think I'm joking? You know how many youngsters, young kiddos in other countries have emailed me complaining that their parents, especially their father or mother, will not allow them to wear the hijab. They want to wear it and they won't let them because they're afraid that people will say that they're fundamentalists or something. And they'll say, please pray for my parents that they'll let me follow Islam. Can you believe me? Anybody here don't believe what I just said? Probably you heard the same thing, didn't you? Maybe some of you are keeping somebody from following Islam. You're telling them, well, maybe, you know, we're in America. It'd be better for you. If you can't follow Islam in America, you can't follow Islam. I visited these other countries. Forget about it. You can't touch the red, white, and blue, baby. I'm serious. You want to be a Muslim? Even after 9-11, even after the Patriot Act, it's still better here than any other country I've visited. I just came back from a country where they had to have every word I was going to say written down before I could open my mouth. At the university that invited me. Yep. I'm not joking. Stop and think about that. Here I can say whatever I want to say. Not just because I'm in the masjid, I go to universities. How many of you went to university the night when we were here? I said what I wanted to say. And if they don't like it, they just won't invite you back. That's all. This United States of America is still a pretty great place for Muslims to be. And by the way, I don't want anybody to blow that. Okay? So don't even jokingly come and talk to me about anything which is against the United States. Don't even do it as a joke. Don't do it. Now, if you don't like Mr. Bush, that's a different story. But don't don't come up with, you know, uh, this jivey talk about, you know, we have to do this, we have to because no, it's just talk. And it's something that very much disturbs our youth and they don't need to hear that kind of nonsense. We have something to do, an important job. The job we have to do is to deliver a message. What's the message? There's only one God. Worship Him without any partners. Deliver the message. And if you don't like it here, the rest of us will take up a collection. We can get fly you wherever you want to go.
Yeah, it's a one-way ticket. You're right. That's exactly right. Now, when I'm answering this question about the wives, there's a number of issues that come up. But the rest of the verse, keep reading it. It said, and if you fear or if you know or you become aware of that this woman is doing lewd and lascivious behavior. I'm using words that are not usually in the translation because it means something really bad. It doesn't mean if you're afraid that she's talking on the phone too much or something like that. No, she's doing something really bad. It tells you the steps on how to handle it. Because I'm going to ask you a question. Average man in this country comes home, finds his wife doing something something bad, and he doesn't like it. He's going to freak out, right? He might smack her. He might kick her out. He might do a lot of things, and Islam doesn't allow that. First, you have to apprise her of the situation. The word usually translated as admonish them. Tell them, don't do this. This is not Islam, don't do that. Then you have to give her time to adjust and not do it anymore. Proof? Read the rest of the verse. And if they don't adhere to that, if they don't come around, then don't share the bed with them. Now that's obviously not a fast deal there because not sharing a bed, that's at least a few nights, isn't it? Huh? By the way, it doesn't mean leave the house. <laughs> don't do that. You're going to come up with a new problem. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you stay home. But you don't have intercourse with them. And then they're going to go, hey, well, this guy must be pretty serious, you know. And then they still don't come around. Then it says in the English translation, beat them. But the word used in Arabic can't be understood that way because the Prophet is the only one to give explanation of words in Quran. And they ask him about this. What does this word mean? And he went like this. Now watch. And he took his miswak, which is no bigger than this pen, and he hit his arm like this. He said, that's it. That's the meaning. And it meant it was a signal, like we use the expression, the straw that breaks the camel's back. According to Dr. Jamal Bedoui, he said that understand this is the stages of divorce. Talak. First, admonish. They still don't come around. Second, don't share the bed. Third, this is your goodbye. Because it's something really serious. But for sure it doesn't mean beat them. As in take a whip and beat their brains against the wall or something like that. So that has to be understood the way that it was explained. Because the Prophet clearly stated that the best of you are the best to your wives and I'm the best of you to my wives. And he ordered them, don't beat your wives. How can you beat them like animals in the day and then you want to go to them like a wife at night. How? So it's forbidden in Islam to do that. Please don't try to give your own meaning to Allah's words because you can really, you know, that's serious. Another point. What about four wives? As I already mentioned, this came as a limit because they had no limit before. What's the limit? Allah said in the Quran, read it in context, it's the beginning of Surah An-Nisa. Do not steal the money of the orphan girls. This is the meaning of it. Don't rob the orphan girls by mixing their money with your money and playing around and taking away their inheritance. This is what it's talking about. And don't marry these girls to get their money. This is what it's saying because they used to do that. 
A girl could be two or three years old. Her parents die. A guy says, I'm marrying her. Why? Because he wants the inheritance. And just take it. That's what they did. And Allah was forbidding that practice. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? And then he continues by saying, Marry other women, not the orphan girls. Marry other women of your choice by two, that's the first number, by three, by four, if you can treat them equally. But if you can't, then you can marry how many? Everybody knew that one, didn't you? Your wife trained you pretty good, didn't she? He said one, ma'am. He said one. Yes, ma'am. He said. I've been in brother's house. We sit there eating. I said, how many wives do you have? Shh, brother. You get me in trouble. Just for mentioning it in my house. By the way, that works two ways, lady. You're not supposed to beat them either, you know. Alhamdulillah. But I want to ask you a question now. Did you understand that the Prophet ﷺ had more than one wife at one time? He did when he was much older. He had several wives. How did he take care of them? He divided his time equally for each one. And he took permission from them. If they wanted to change the night, it wasn't up to him. It was from them. They would tell him what night you'll be here and what time you're going to be over there. He was working for them. Is it true? And he had a lot of consideration and compassion for his wives. A lot of care. Because in Islam, it's not all about this sex thing. This is the sickness that the people have in a society where they don't know what a true relationship is. It all hinges off of one thing. That's kind of sick. Islam is much, much broader than that. There are some cases where a woman can't have children. Or a man can't have children. And in this case, Islam is providing for that. If a woman doesn't want to be married to a man, she can simply go to the imam and it's over. Like that. For the man, he can't get away that quick. He has to go through stages. We know about that. There are three talaks. Divorces. Before they're actually divorced from the man's side. But for a woman, it's one. Or she go to the imam, lay the case out. If it's a legitimate case, that's it. Finished. Finished. There's no. That's not. There is no time. For the man, there is. So that's another misconception that people are having. When the people are saying something like, Oh yeah, in Islam you just go, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And throw something on her shoes and walk out the door. No, it's not like, what is that? People are making this stuff up. And insulting the greatest way of life there ever was. And these people need it. <laughs> the ones attacking Islam, they need Islam. Look at their society, man. I feel so sorry. For my countrymen here. To know that many people committing suicide. Because they don't know what to do with their life. Many of them killing each other. A man kills his own wife. It's so common on TV now. A man killed his wife today. woman killed her husband today. woman killed her husband and the kids. The kids killed the mother and the father. I'm waiting for the dog killed everybody in the house. It's amazing what's going on. On Jerry Springer, a man married his own dog in Florida. You're laughing. This is predicted by the Rasul This is a prophecy of Muhammad talking about how people would get to such a low level they would be lower than animals. Is that lower than an animal? 
That's sick, man. Competing. Competing to be stupid. I saw a bumper sticker out in West Texas. That's where Bush is from. It said on the bumper sticker, ignorant and proud of it. I'm, I, I want to go to Egypt and sell that one myself. <laughs> so, what is Islam saying about the woman? And think about this. Think about this. Can a man marry a woman if she already has a husband? Is that absolutely bizarre? We're never. This is not acceptable. Can't happen. Because the children would never get their rights because they wouldn't know who's the father. They can't inherit correctly, and Islam is about rights and limitations. Child can't get their rights. A woman asked one time, she stuck her head in when I was giving a lecture, she said, How come a woman can't have four husbands, and a man can have four wives? I said, Ma'am, are you married? She said, Yeah. I said, I want you to think of She's an older lady. I said, I want you to think about your husband right now. Just imagine him. She said, Why? I said, Just think about him. What he's like when he comes home from work, you know, and what he does and how it is in the morning when you're trying to get him out of there and all the rest of it. She said, okay, whatever. I said, you got him in your mind? She said, yeah. I said, okay. Would you like to have another one just like him? She said, no. I said, so what do you want for? But I got another one for you. One of our ulama, one of our scholars... Laid it out in the real way. And when he told me, I, I was shocked. He said, a man is the one limited in this situation, not the woman. Because a man can only choose from unmarried women in the community. Is that right? He can only choose from who? Unmarried women. If 90% of the women are married, who can he choose from? 10%. A woman can choose from any man in the community as long as he doesn't already have four. And she knows already what his behavior is with his wife because she can see and she can go, mm -mm, don't like that guy. Uh-uh, not that one. Oh, wait a minute. This guy. And, and, and. Okay, I like this guy right here. And he has to give me the same kind of house that she has, the same kind of car that she has. Huh. Now all she's got to do is sell him on the idea. Probably the other wife got to know about that too. But but you see, who is the one having a bigger opportunity here? And ultimately, Allah said, marry only one. And that's what Muslims have today. Most of the Muslims in Indonesia have. And where are the most of the Muslims in the world? Indonesia. Most of the Muslims in Egypt have how many wives? Most of them? One by force. He's complaining. I hear a complaint. What we understand from this is that Islam is providing something that humans can't provide. It provides God's understanding, not yours, of what works and what doesn't work. And when he gives an order... It doesn't matter if you understand what it means or not. Why Muslims can't eat pork? Well, I got one for you. Why Adam 
couldn't eat fruit? It's the same answer. Same answer. Because it's an order. It's a test. Why Muslims have to pray five times a day? Question for you. Why did Iblis have to make sajda? Which he never did do. Because it's a test. Will you do what God wants you to do? Or you want to do what you want to do? It's your choice. Now I'm going to go real fast through some of the other questions that always come to me. Because I memorized them because they're the same questions for 15 years. <laughs> Does a woman have to wear a hijab? No. Just don't go outside. Next question. Do all Muslims have to grow the beard? No. Not the women. Next question. I told you I memorized them. <laughs> I got another one. The brothers the brothers asked me, make dua for me. Why? That I'll grow a beard. I said, What? How come you don't have a beard? My wife, she doesn't like me to have a beard. Why? She just, she didn't like a beard. Uh, you gotta wonder about a woman who wants her husband to look like another woman. That hurt. That hurt. Now I'm not coming back. <laughs> Never know. Where'd you get this guy? Get him out of here. <laughs> Next question. Back to the beard. Brother come to me and he wants to know about, you know, I'm just cutting it short, really short. Okay. But you're cutting it. So what's the difference if you're cutting it real, real short or just kind of short or shaving it all the way up? Every day you're going, same thing, right? Prophet Sallallahu was the example for you, yes or no? How long was his beard? Show me on your chest. Show me. Come on. Wrong. Wrong. When you do this, no, that's not Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu That was Abdullah ibn Omar who cut his beard once after doing Hajj or Omar. That's all. The Prophet Sallallahu beard was here and wide. You could see it from behind his head. Huge. And all of the men had huge lahya. Except if Allah didn't grow it for them. So a brother comes up to me after one of my speeches and he said, Please, Shaykh, make dua for me. I said, why? He said, make dua, I'll grow a beard. I said, I can't, that's shirk. He said, what? I said, that's making partners with Allah, man. I can't do that. He said, no, I asked about my beard. Make dua that I'll grow my beard. I said, I understand what you said. That's shirk. He said, how? I said, because it's Allah who grows your beard, not you. But I will make dua, you'll quit cutting it off. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. They'll ask you, they'll ask you questions about food. Especially what's halal and haram in the food. I will tell you this. When you have a visiting imam who comes and he speaks to you, don't ask him questions that you've already asked your scholar. Because if he gives a different answer, you're going to divide up your community just like that. Are you going to invite me to eat? Then ask me about this subject. 
Otherwise, it's none of your business. You might say, well, no, wait a minute. We want to know. No, no. If you really want to know, you don't do it like that. You don't ask here. Go get the books of Mount Duty. He wrote about it in English. Go read it. It's very serious. Or ask your imam here. Can we meet at a safe way? If you're sure that it was killed by a Christian or a Jew, according to the Islamic way, which is to let all the blood out before it dies, then you can eat it. Problem is, that don't exist. What? I'll leave that to you. You go find out for yourself. And people say, we have a fatwa. Okay. So that's called what? Fatwa? Halal? You have a fatwa saying you can buy a house on Reba. So this is what? Fatwa? Halal? And we have a fatwa, we can do this, and we can do this, and we can do this. Fatwa, by the way, it means Islamic ruling. Like a, a local scholar come up with an idea, and he comes to evidence, and he signs a paper saying, you can do so and so. But Sheikh and I talked about this. It's not fatwa. This is... I'm not going to say it in the masjid. <laughs> say it? How the fatwa? I'm not going to translate it, though. <laughs> Because it smells, man. <laughs> it stinks. For me. So, alhamdulillah. We're back to one year now. <laughs> yeah. Alhamdulillah. Other questions that people will ask us about are very numerous. Some of them are very harsh. Some of them are kind of funny. But in every single case, the person who doesn't know Islam needs to have a decent answer. And finally, I'm going to end with this. There's something that I found in my society as an American that Americans have a problem with. I don't know if it's this way all over Europe or not, but I know it's over here. There are three words, it's real hard to say. Those words are, I love you. Not hard for a Muslim, but very hard for them. Especially even their wife. They get married, right? A brand new married couple. He goes to work, gets a phone call. He's talking to his wife. Yeah, I'll pick it up on the way home. Sure, baby. Okay, okay. All right. Me too. Huh? Uh, yeah, I said, me too. Uh, you know, yeah, me too. <laughs> Honey, I'm at work. There, there's people, they're, they're listening to it, okay? I do. I said me too. Uh, I do, I do. Okay, okay. I love you. <laughs> it's, it's hard. For us, it's easy. I love all of you for Allah. It's easy. But for a Muslim, we have a problem with three other words. We have real hard time with three other words that are very important in Islam. In fact, they're so important, it's a sign of a scholar to be able to say these three words. Somebody comes up and asks you a question about Islam... These three words you just can't seem to say. I don't know. I don't know. Instead, we try to guess. We try to make up something. Oh, I heard a scholar. He said something like this. I said, where did you get that, brother? It's either in the Quran or, or the Hadith or, or it was on the back of a Wheaties box. But it was something. Yeah. Learn how to say, I don't know. Even if you're sure you know, and you're sitting here right now in this room with, with people who have studied Islam their whole life in the Arabic language, 
and somebody asks a question, oh, I know, oh, 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 oh. No, this is not jeopardy. But it will be. Seriously. If you don't learn to say, I don't know, ask the one who knows. That's what Allah said in the Quran, ask the one who knows. And if he doesn't know, then why is he leading your salat? So please, please remember that. And as much fun as I'm having with you guys, I'm not a scholar of Islam. I can't be considered as alim, and I'll prove it against myself. One of the first conditions, you must master the the fusha, the classical Arabic language. Rule number one. Yes or no? Number two, you have to memorize the entire Quran. At least one rawaya. Preferably seven would be nice. Seven rawaya would be very nice. Seven ijazes, that'd be good. Three, to memorize at least Bukhari and Muslim. Minimum. You don't have that. What are you talking about? If you don't know, if you don't know hadith, how can you explain Quran? And then you have to have a particular science that you have, such as Arabic, such as a tafsir, or fiqh, aqidah, or something. Otherwise, how you call yourself a scholar? But our problem, and I want to be fair, our problem is that we live in a country where we have very few ulama. So much so that when we have somebody just memorize the Quran, he's an alim. Compared to other religions, he would be, but not for us. That's not sufficient. That is not sufficient. So let's be fair. And when we have a real scholar who gives a ruling or fatwa, even if you don't agree with it, it's not right to make fun of him or what he said. But if another scholar said, no, you don't have to follow that and here's the proof, you can go with that. But it's wrong for us today to criticize our scholars because this is tearing us apart. We mustn't do that. We mustn't make fun of them. And we mustn't cut them down. Because Allah will not bless the communities who do that. Please remember that. Please. Let's work together on that. And then finally, this point. That also holds true for each other. We can't cut each other down. Not even in a joke. Those are not jokes. I know you see that a lot on television. Please, cut the cord of that machine. Turn it off. Oh, that's another question people always ask me. Television, is it halal or haram? It's halal as long as you don't turn it on. (laughs) And the best thing you'll ever do for your family is to take that thing and throw it in the trash along with the satellite dish that you still owe money on. And I'm serious about that. Because your family needs you and you don't need that thing in your house. It is very evil. And if you said, I just need the news, since when has anything on there been truthful that you've seen? Huh? And you said, I just want to watch the cartoons. The cartoons today are filth. They're not fit for a child to look at. And if you said, I just want to watch the animals, for what purpose? So you'll know the mating habits of the Australian bullfrog? And that will benefit you how? Your children need you. They need you and your wife. They need your time. They don't need your money. They don't need those clothes. They don't need all that jazz, man. What they need is you, your time. This is so precious. 
Time with your family. Time in this masjid. Time with your brothers. And have a real life instead of that artificial life that comes out of that little wooden box. This is my advice to who? Myself first. Because we can't give advice that we don't take. Allah said that He hates that you say what you don't do. So I want to be the first to say that I hate that thing. We have one. But we have rules. No broadcast TV. I'll go get the CDs or the tapes at the library and approve of it. You want to watch animals? National Geographic. There it is. This is one way. Select for your children. We got a new website coming out. I didn't talk about it much because it's going to be probably so long you'll probably forget about it. It's called safeshows.com. We're going to offer it to everybody, not just Muslims, everybody. And the programs will be things that are safe for the children to watch. And it's going to be on a donation basis so that the people that don't have much income can come and they can watch it through their computer or download the programs, games. We're going to have puzzles on there. A lot of pictures I've taken, thousands of pictures around the world of different places, mosques, things like that. They can put them together like puzzles. They'll be able to do word, crossword puzzles with Arabic and English. A lot of different things like that. And we hope that that will be something to offset. Because it's hard if your kids have already been watching something to just walk in tonight and say, Okay, we're not going to do that anymore. Then you'll have everybody sitting around looking at each other going, Okay, now what? You know, so you have to have something to get away from that. Inshallah, I've said too much already. But I don't want to close this program without saying one more little thing. And that is that it's only Allah that guides people. And it's only by His mercy He guided me here in this city 15 years ago to stop being a person attacking Islam and to become a person trying to explain Islam. And it's only Allah and His mercy, and He told us this in the Quran, that joined all of our hearts together when we were on the brink of a pit of fire. And he joined our hearts together. And he told us, hold fast to that rope of Allah. Wallah tafarqu. And don't separate. Don't divide up. Don't divide up. There was something one brother said one time. It made me really cry. When he was talking to his own community. And he was saying to his brothers. Please, I want you to look around this room. Who could possibly be closer to you than the people in this room? Don't have hard feelings toward each other. Because I'm going to ask you a question. When you die and your body is lifeless, you're unable to move, who is the one that's going to pick you up and carry you to the table and wash your body and clean you and prepare you? Then wrap your body. Then carry you to the gravesite and dig the hole. And place you in there. And all the time they're crying for you. And asking Allah to forgive you. And putting the dirt in on top of the grave. And telling you to remember to say La ilaha illallah. Who's going to do that? And after you're dead, it's going to be making dua for you and saying, Oh Allah, please, please forgive my brother. Please forgive my brother. Who is going to do that? 
if it's not somebody sitting in this room right here, right now. And Allah said, Kulu nafsin Every one of us is going to taste death. And it's much closer than you think. For all of us. So let us keep that humble thought in our hearts when we deal with each other. And remember the importance of being real brothers to each other. And alhamdulillah that Allah guided me and I have 1.5 billion brothers and sisters in Islam. And I thank Allah for that. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Hu Allah, Dijal, and the Muslimin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.